Brad and Glenda Pius. Thank you so much for sewing into Morning Drive Bible. Without your commitment and support, this initiative couldn't come to fruition. Good morning from Jerusalem. My name is David Nekrutman. And my name is Scott Kahn. And welcome to Morning Drive Bible. David, yesterday I asked you if you celebrate Thanksgiving, and you answered in the affirmative. But after we stopped recording, something occurred to me, which is different in your life than mine. I'm married to a girl who's from New York originally. Even though we live in Israel now, she's from New York. You are married to someone who is originally... I just want to say this is an intermarriage from a Jewish person from Boston to a Jewish person from New York. Red Sox and Yankees together, but I converted her over to being a Fenway fan, which is why it is legal and acceptable within the dictates of Jewish law. But David, you are married to an Israeli with Yemenite roots. Yes, she's a staunch Yemenite. Is she an American? She never got um, American citizenship. She had a green card, but she never went for the citizenship. So what does she think about this thing called Thanksgiving? Is she accepting of it or does she have a problem with it? Well, in general, she doesn't eat meat, and the only thing she usually eats is chicken. She's not a big fan of turkey, so we usually have chicken. She's, she thinks that chicken is meat. I don't get that. <laughs> chicken is chicken, and that's what it is. But she loved her time in the United States. It's where we met. It's very significant. Oh, you actually for... met in the United States? I didn't yeah, know that. July 4th, 23 years ago, we met. So the fireworks went off for me, but not apparently for her. And I had to court her. But the way I did that was actually cook. And I cooked a chicken. You cooked a chicken for I her? I cooked a chicken for her. And how long after you met did you get married? About two years. Oh, that's a long time. Yeah, about two years. Yeah. My wife and I met on October 12th, 1996. And we got married on March 10th, 1997. Just under five months later. It's pretty quick. That's, that's very quick. That's very quick. That's very quick. You know something? I'm not saying every marriage has its own dynamic. But in my case... When you know, you know. No, I knew. I knew you know. But I knew. She didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) There's a difference in the story. Well, thank God she eventually knew. Yes. And 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 the kids are also very happy about that, I'm sure. Very, very happy. How do I make a transition from from this Thanksgiving? You're just going to have to make an awkward transition. Go straight into what we're talking about. We are talking about the golden calf. Yesterday, we said that the real sin of the people was in a certain sense the undermining of the Jewish mission to the world, allowing within the camp of Israel to have a golden calf, not stopping those who were actively involved in it, is a complete rejection and mistaken understanding of the Jewish mission to the world, which is to demonstrate God's unity rather than allow an idolatrous orgy to take place right in front of their noses. So we're at the point in the story where now Moses is interceding for the people. God said, my anger is against them, and we explain why he's angry. And the first argument is Moses doesn't understand why God is angry. I think we explain why that argument works. I think we did. Okay, and the second argument is the public relations argument. If you want the world to acknowledge who you are, God, by destroying the entire nation of Israel right now and starting with me, it will not accomplish what you want. So let's read it inside. And this is in verse... 12, in the book of Exodus chapter 32, why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with evil intent to kill them in the mountains and to annihilate them from upon the face of the earth? I'm going to stop. because that's You don't want to keep going? I don't want to keep going because to me, that's the third argument. We're beginning in the middle of the verse 12. I already mentioned that I don't see that as a separate argument. You're going to have to convince me of that one. But I definitely agree with your second argument issue that 
This PR disaster that would take place should God destroy the people of Israel, that is a reason not to do it. Is that a legitimate reason? Well, we have to look at what God's purpose in the world is of creating the Jewish people. God's purpose is to create a people who will demonstrate God's existence, what we call in Hebrew, Kiddush Hashem, sanctification of the divine name. And in a certain sense, the worst thing that a Jew can do is what's called Chilul Hashem, desecration of the divine name, or maybe more exactly, showing an empty space. That's what Chilul really means, an empty space where God was supposed to be and somehow showing that he's not here. When a Jewish person who is actively and openly religious does something which undermines God's reputation in the world by acting inappropriately, then that person is saying, I represent God and this is how I act. There's no God here. That's fundamentally and functionally what he's doing, even if he doesn't mean it. That's called a desecration of the divine name. So if God were to destroy the people... That would be the ultimate desecration of the divine name. So yeah, given our mission in the world, this is a valid argument. And up until this point, there seems to be awe in the world about God. Because everyone heard about the miracles that happened in Egypt and the parting of the sea. We see this with the episode with Jethro. Jethro heard about what happened to the Jewish people. What did he hear? All the miracles that happened. Right now, the Jewish people are untouchable. And people are realizing, hey, there's another God here that we didn't know about, and look what he did to the people. All of a sudden, if you destroy the nation of Israel, it doesn't accomplish what God wants. I'm like taking, like, according to the simple meaning of the text, all these things are happening. God's glory is in the world. We have an opportunity to continue that the world will acknowledge him. Here it is. Don't do it. The only time that's taken away is when Amalek comes after Israel and takes away that pachat, that fear of the Israel, and understanding that God is still in the world and controlling things. And in the meantime, it's an interesting idea that the first argument, as you put it, God, don't be angry at Israel, is based on Israel's merit, saying they really aren't doing something that is deserving of anger. It was the mixed multitude, etc. See the past 12 podcasts. Now, it's a completely different argument. Moses is saying, don't do it for Israel. Forget what they did. Do it for you. God, you have a mission in the world. You created us for a very specific reason. Destroying Israel would undermine the very reason that you created the universe, to find a way to allow yourself to become present in the world even when you're sometimes apparently absent. This will undermine that message. The first argument is based on Israel's merit. The second one is based on God's needs. My name is David Lecretman. My name is Scott Kahn. And blessings from Jerusalem.